Oh, I can go ahead. Mike, hello, it. everyone. We're in, yeah. Yep, we're in. Hello, everyone. This is John, and uh, Scott is on. This is John Dorsenlauer. Yep, Scott and I'm Scott, is Scott on. Porter. Scott Porter. Yep. Right. Here, right. man. So let me just, uh, what I'm going to do is explain what we're doing here. This is, uh, uh, we have this call every second Monday of every month. Gold Club members can submit deals prior to the call, and we review them right here. Now, if you're not a Gold Club member, you can listen, but you cannot participate. So uh, you can get more information and sign up for the Gold Club at www.ronsgoldclub.com. Now, if you're a Gold Club member and you want to ask a question or discuss a deal, just press star 6 on your phone. Press star 6, and you'll be entered into a queue. We can see the queue, and then we go ahead and open the queue up to the questions uh, at one at a time in the order they come in. If you are a Gold Club member and you did not dial in on the interactive line that's listed in your Gold Club membership website, the home page, then you should probably hang up and dial back in using that phone number and access code if you want to ask any questions. Okay, so um, we, have, uh, we didn't get any deals, any PI sheets submitted today, <coughs> which is okay. Um, what we'll just do is we'll start taking questions right now. I'm in Q&A mode here. If you do have a question, press star six, please, and I'll see you in the queue. Hey, uh, Scott, how are you doing? Yeah, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know what? I was going to add one other thing uh, on that, John, yeah, and to say I, I know that no one had turned in a PI sheet, but if you're sitting at home and you've got a PI sheet, <laughs> And meaning that you've got, you know, a deal that a VA called and all that. We can still talk about that. So, but uh, that's right. Anyway, John, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Kind of kicking back here on this call. Um, John, you're in Massachusetts. I'm in New Hampshire, which sounds like we're far apart from each other, but we're only like a half an hour away. But, I know. You know yeah, we're up here, the, the small state. You know, except for Maine. Maine's a pretty big state, but anyway, up here in the yeah. smaller state up in New England. Yeah, yep. pretty close to each other. It's been a little cold. Get a little snow for those folks who want we the did. weather. I was shoveling this morning. Yeah. Yeah. An inch. Not much. Just a dusting. Just a, yeah. An inch or so. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm sitting here all snuggled up in the house. It, it's cool out there right now, though. It's in, I think it's in the 20 now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah I think you're probably right. It's going to get cold. Real cool tonight. Yeah. So, anybody have any questions you want to talk to us about rather than listen to Scott <laughs> and me just jabber on here all night? We're not going to do this all night, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about Scott's chickens and about oh you know, my chickens. I yeah, would love I'll say to all about Afghanistan if you want, or we'll figure something out. But we're not going to be on for a long time just doing this stuff. So yeah. please, if you've got, if you want to just say hello, yeah, just, jump uh, on in, jump star in, six. folks. Press yep. star six on your phone. Don't be shy. So let's hope it means that we really are live, John. That people are hearing us and they're jumping in. I don't know. I can see we are. Okay, good. Now, can people email us, or is it purely they got to jump in on the call? No, they just uh, – oh, there's one here. There's one here. All right. Okay. Okay, Hello. Hi there. My name is Eric, and I'm in Alabama. 
thanks for having me this evening. I would like to know, uh, Ron speaks about uh, putting the different properties in a land trust, and my question is, why is that more beneficial than putting the different properties as you're purchasing them into an LLC? I'll get off and wait for the answer. No, I don't get off. Well, I'll, I'll just silence myself. I'll mute myself. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, we can have a conversation about it if you like, Eric. So let me just tell you what, what we like to do, and this way Ron would teach you, is, uh, and you could just buy the property in an LLC, but let's suppose you have five properties, and each one of them is owned by the same LLC. They're all in the same LLC. And say on one of the properties, way down in Alabama, someone slips on the ice. You have ice down in Alabama? <laughs> not, I mean, not often. Yeah. yeah. So okay, they slip on something in the mud. Somebody slips on one of the, and it gets hurt, and they say, "Oh, it's your fault because," and it's okay. They've injured your property. Now they sue you, and the court says, "Yeah, you were negligent. Eric was negligent. You didn't take care of, of taking care of the ice in Alabama." And so this person sues you, and he wins. Guess what? He, the judge, can give him all of your five properties because they're all owned by the same entity. So what you could do to get yourself a little bit more protection, and it gets you two things, a little bit more asset protection, separation of assets, that is, and anonymity. You don't want anybody to know that you or, or any part of you owns land or owns properties. So you don't want your name on anything. So you're going to make these trusts, these trusts that don't have your name any place in it. <clears throat> and that's what, and that, so the trust owns that property. Now that someone slips and falls and hurts themselves on that Alabama ice, then what happens is they, they really technically only have access to that one property. You could lose a property still if, something, if you were negligent. And it's still, even still, a judge could penetrate the trust and all kinds of things could happen. But the very fact that you have separation of properties, each one in its own trust, gives you another level of protection, of asset protection, and anonymity, so your name doesn't appear any place on it. That's the, so it's just kind of it's just one more level of, of taking care of your properties that way. Understand? Got it. I do. But don't I achieve the same thing by putting each property in a separate LLC? Uh, you can. Um, now you don't have. Level, I don't know. I said you don't have anonymity, though. You don't have that, uh, you know, uh, John and I are in a position, we don't want people knowing anything that we own as much as we can right. help. Right. And so it keeps so, those predators, it keeps predators away. They don't yeah. know what you have. And, and not, not of that, um, having separate LLCs can begin to get expensive. Sometimes your, your tax accountant has to spend more time, it's going to cost more probably for tax returns. I'll tell you what too, Eric, up here in Massachusetts, I don't know what they charge you in Alabama, but there's a flat excise tax. Forget about income tax or any other contact. I have to pay $500 per year per LLC. So Massachusetts, I don't want to have 10 LLCs. That's $5,000. I'm going to have one LLC and a bunch of trusts. They're free. Okay. Yes, I understand that. Well, I'm going to um, I'm going to make the assumption to form a land trust that there's a cost to that, uh, and I would imagine I, I don't even know what what 
I know a personal trust uh, is starting out, they start out around $1,000, and they go up from there depending upon the level of sophistication. Uh, In terms of land trusts, what kind of cost am I looking at per per land trust? As I would suggest, first of all, on the Gold Club site, you'll find Ron has trust standard land trust document, okay? And you can use that, but I would suggest you take that to your attorney, and your attorney is going to review that once and say, okay, Eric, this works in Alabama. This is a good trust document for Alabama. And then every time you get a house to do it, you've got the paper. It's a piece of paper. Trust me. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, it's a piece of okay. yeah. It's a piece so of creating, the thing is, is land trust is very different than have than creating a personal trust uh, which my wife and I are working on right now creating a personal trust for our holdings. This is land trust is very different in terms of the formation and the cost to do it. There shouldn't really be any cost except for your attorney to review it once. Bingo. I mean, I, I okay. don't think I don't think the state would charge. I don't think they charge you for for a trust per se. What we have to do up here in some states, we have to uh, when we buy a piece of property, a piece of real estate, you have to include in the recording in the registry of deeds either a certificate of trustee, Massachusetts specifically calls it a certificate of trustee, or the more generic form is an affidavit of trust. And what that is is a piece of paper signed by the trustee. This is, I swear, there is a trust, and I am the trustee. That gets recorded. So this, there might be recording, you know, 35, 40 bucks to record that piece of paper, but that's about the extent of it, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot cheaper than the... Uh, yeah, setting up an LLC, the, uh, the, the Secretary of State's costs are just the same as setting up a, a, a C or an S corp here. So, uh, <laughs> and that, uh, and I and I was under the impression that there was similar costs involved. But I appreciate the update, and I will look inside the uh, Gold Club area and find out to find that document. Good, good. Now, don't forget, now, I'm not an attorney. Uh, I'm I'm uh, just a guy who does a lot of stuff. But so what? I, we always recommend get that document that Ron has provided and look it over and get it in front of your attorney for your particular state. Every state different. For those who are listening, and make sure your attorney blesses it for your state because every state has sometimes you know, certain requirements you have to follow. But I'm telling you, once you typically, uh, from my experience in Scott, I worked in what five, six states, and I know of others, other mentors, and of course Ron in Florida, you know, and oh, not a problem. Not a problem using the, those that trust document. Great, I appreciate it, and I do have an attorney, and I uh, will find it and run it by him. Thank you so much. Excellent. All right, Eric. Good talking to you, Eric. <clears throat> and yes, uh, everything. We that got. John, Hello. That John, Hello. Uh, one second. Yep. Next call. I'm sorry, Scott. Next caller. And what's your Hi, name? This next is, caller. Uh, this is Rich Minot from Pennsylvania. Rich Minot yeah. from Pennsylvania. Right. How you doing, Rich? I got three quick questions. Uh, hopefully, it, you know, it won't take long. Uh, the first one is on, on a lease option uh, contract, on a lease option sale. When I'm selling my property on a lease option, on the lease agreement, why uh, are we instructed to set the security deposit to zero dollars? I don't recall you being instructed to set the security deposit to zero dollars. Who's who's instructing you to do that? Uh, Ron Legrand. 
<laughs> well, I get the manual. Well, I don't know if I know him. He don't do that, but uh, that's yeah, he's some old guy in, in Florida, but he seems to be consistent <laughs> with that. I, you know, I don't know why you have it zero. I mean, hey, first of all, I, I Scott, you can interrupt here, but I'm kind of more of a contracts guy, I think. So that yeah. I would suggest is whatever you negotiate now with a, a lease option to your tenant buyer. Okay, I, I, I get what you're saying to your tenant buyer. What we here we do. We require a pretty substantial non-refundable option deposit. Yeah, I, I understand the non-refundable option deposit. You know, is going to be ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I understand that, and, I, and I've done some of these. But I, I always set the security deposit to zero because that's what Ron has said repeatedly. But he never he never explained why you would set a security deposit to zero. Well, so, what is the difference between security deposit and your non-refundable option deposit? All right. The security deposit is a deposit that uh, you take as a deposit. When the people move out, uh, that needs to be returned in full within 30 days unless there's damage to the property. And uh, if there's damage to the property, you can use the security deposit to cover that damage. Or if there's any unpaid um, rent, uh, you can you can apply you can use that security deposit to uh, pay for the rent, but it's separate and distinct and totally uh, unconnected to the non-refundable option consideration. Right. So so the non-refundable option deposit is say twenty thousand dollars, and right. you might you might want to have a say two thousand dollars security deposit. I think well, that's what, that's, that's, that's my question. That's my question. Why does Ron say always set that to zero? I think it muddies the water. I don't know. I can't answer him. I, I haven't ever asked that question of him. But I think well, it would muddy the muddy the water. My my thinking. Instead, okay. just charge twenty two thousand for the non refundable option deposit. Be good. No, I I, I'm not, give, I think I think you're misunderstanding my question. I'm not trying to to squeeze more out of the person for a non refundable option consideration. I get the most that I can, and I set the security deposit to zero because that's what Ron Legrand has instructed. My question is. Why, what's the reasoning behind setting the security deposit to zero? I can weigh in. Let, let, let me give you my thought here because I think I know where Ron is on this. I'm also in the, in the manual and I'm trying to see it here. I'm, I'm in the agreements. But listen, yeah. what we want to do, we're buying that house. The whole plan is we're buying the house. The security deposit is moot, right? So. We're going to set it at zero. We're going to do everything. This is just part of the negotiation. Now, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me interrupt you. I'm not buying the house. I'm selling it. I already own it. I'm selling it to a lease option tenant buyer. And on that agreement, Ron Legrand has said to set the security deposit as zero when I'm selling the property to a lease option tenant. So my question is, why would he do that? Why, what's the logic behind that? Because you're not collecting a security deposit, you're collecting a non-refundable down payment. I, I could collect both, okay? My, my question is, why set the security deposit to zero? It, w it would make no sense to do both. You're collecting why a non-refundable down payment. If the person leaves or they destroy the house, You've got 10, 15, 20, 50, whatever it is that you collected. There's no need to collect the uh, the uh, security deposit. It's moot. It's not. It's really not the deal that we're going into. Uh, that has never been on our radar 
I don't I don't recall seeing it in Ron's uh, system, but I know Ron. I know how we all do business. He is not collecting. Um, well, he's saying put zero there because it would make no sense to collect a security deposit when you're collecting tens of thousands of dollars for a non-refundable down payment. So it doesn't muddy the, muddy the water uh, legally. If you went into a an eviction situation, you have a security deposit, you have a non-refundable option deposit. You've got two separate, those are two separate documents though. So your lease, all you're doing is you're agreeing on the lease. Don't collect, there's no need to collect the uh, security deposit. You're gonna have a separate document that's gonna be the option that's where you collect the non-refundable down payment. Yeah, John, I, we... I understand that. I've, I've, I've done several of these deals. I, so I understand the paperwork and the process, but I, what I didn't understand is that every time I've done this, I've set the security deposit to zero because that's what Ron LeGrand has repeatedly said in several of his training seminars, but he never actually said, you set it to zero because. Well, I'm, looking I'm, for I'm, the two I'm trying to give you the rationale behind it is that mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're doing a lease, that's one set of documents, and you're doing an option, that's another set of documents. Those two yeah. are not tied together, really. They're two separate documents. They're two separate agreements. So you're doing yes, the lease, right? So there would be no reason to do the security deposit because <clears throat> collecting on a different set of documents, you're collecting the option. That is the only reason that I could ever think of uh, that we would ever put zero there because we're collecting the non-refundable down payment. That's the answer to your question, I would, I would suggest. That's it. There'd be no other reason to collect a security deposit. So you put zero. I'm gonna, okay. no, listen, uh, first, first of all, Rich, what kind of guessing? Because I, I, can't, I can't tell you exactly what's in Ron's mind when he says that, but, I, but as we're guessing, I'll give, give you all a guess. Uh, you know, I think that, um, well, let, let me let me make a suggestion. Maybe you could check with them, and then next maybe next month I can bring up the question again. And I don't know if you're going to have a call or somebody else, and maybe uh, you get Ron's uh, thoughts here's, on this. Here's what I do. Here's what I'd recommend, Rick. He's got a quick start this week. Is Scott a quick start this week? Yes. Yeah. It starts tomorrow. Go go to the quick start. It's and, a and he has. <laughs> um, it's a okay. I can't. I can't just pull up stakes and, and leave tomorrow morning to go to a quick start. I've uh, no, got obligations here in Pennsylvania, um, and I, it would be. I've, I've been to the quick start like three or four times, both in in situ and virtual. So I I don't really want to spend another five or six grand to get one question answered. Okay, oh, <laughs> I think no, that's no, a no. good, you, you good use of my mind. Rich, Rich. Yes. That, that's Thing. This is a virtual event. If you've gone to a quick start, you should be able to go to this. But anyway, we, we, we don't know, like I think John was saying, I don't know exactly what's in Ron's head, but I'm telling you, there's the answer. You put zero on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the security deposit because on another set of documents, you're collecting the non-refundable down payment. You know what? You know what I was thinking, though, Rich? And now you got me thinking about it. So here's what I'm thinking is that, okay, so let's just look at a straight lease agreement. With, with a uh, security deposit, first month, last month, security deposit. That right. whole thing, the security deposit, that whole thing, it's just a straight lease. It, it's, its whole intent is to cover situations when that tenant moves out. In right. our case, we don't want our tenant to ever move out. 
it's almost like a contradiction. You say, here's your security deposit because when you move out, I need something to make sure I can cover holes in the wall or if you haven't paid full month's rent, whatever. But the truth is, because of the option and, of course, that non-refundable option deposit we've collected, we don't intend you to move out. We don't, we don't even want to suggest that. You're not going to move out. Got, and that might, be a, that might be a stumbling block when you're negotiating with your tenant buyer. Why do you want to have having, some having, having said that, yeah, Having said that, 80 to 90% of them move out, as you know. Right. We, we haven't that, had that higher rate, but yeah. And that's in our favor. In our favor. Well, that's in your favor, but it's just my point is they're going to move out. Whether you have a security deposit or not, they're going to move out. Okay, I've only, of all the ones I've done, I've only had one person actually buy the property recently because the, the, uh, the interest rates were so low and so forth. So yeah. by and large, my experience has been, and it seems to be the same as Ron Legrand's, 80 to 90% plus move out and leave their non-refundable option consideration behind. Anyway, hey, okay, we'll probably question. spend too much time. I thought it would be a, like a two-minute question, but... Uh, let me let me ask my other two questions. You know the answer. We guessed it. So let me ask this question: Why why would you want a security deposit? I don't really want one. Um, it's it's uh, customary, of course, in any uh, lease to have a security deposit. My guess was, uh, and it's only a guess, is that um, it may, as you said, muddy the waters when the person moves out and they have both a security deposit that they want back and legally are entitled to get back, and they have a non-refundable option consideration, which they won't get back. Um, so I thought it would just muddy the waters when the person leaves, so you just set the security deposit to zero. But that's, that's only a guess on my part. Sure, sure. No, I hear you. And so I, I was thinking more that it might tend to muddy the waters when you're negotiating with the tenant buyer up front you're going to say, okay, you're going to give me 20 grand for a non-refundable option deposit, and then you're going to have it, and we also want two grand, whatever, for a rate. You say, what do you want the two grand for? That's right. well, a damage deposit. Okay. Well, you've got make, 20 grand. It would make no sense to do that. That's, that seems obvious to me. It's going to confuse them, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a gentleman that I'm not mentoring, but I'm, I'm helping out, and he just did his first deal, uh, lease option sale, and his lawyer insisted upon a security deposit. He says, you have to have one. So I don't know. That's, uh, well, let me just leave it there because we're, we're kind of going, you know, swings and roundabouts yeah, yeah. right now. I agree. I, I agree, Rich. But, hey, it's good, it's good talking to you, man. Well, I got two more questions. Can I, can I get them in real quick? Sure. We, yeah, there's no one else in the queue. By the way, everybody else, if you want to get in the queue, now's the time. I just have a nomenclature question here, and then I have another question. For the non-refundable option, I always learned it as a non-refundable option consideration as opposed to a non-refundable option deposit. So it's gone from consideration to deposit. Is there any logic there, or that's just another un, unknown and unknowable? Uh, I... I Probably the terms interchangeable. It is technically called the consideration for a contract, option right. being the contract. So it is consideration legally, by, by terms of the uh, the Uniform Commercial Code says they call it consideration. But I and, I, and that's what I've, we, that's we what I've always, yeah that's all what I've always used on all of my uh, option uh, <coughs> agreements. 
but the, the new terminology seems to be non-refundable option deposit. As That's what Ron to uses in his agreements. Right. Ron uses that in his, in his uh, contracts, and so therefore that's what we we just use ourselves. All right, so I guess we'll leave that that one lie. My last one is um, on the purchase and sale agreement when you're buying a property on terms or even not on terms. But um, once the purchase and sale agreement has been signed and you give the person ten dollars or hundred dollars consideration, um, if they want to back out of that agreement. Does the purchase and sale agreement force slash allow arbitration as opposed to going through the court system? Well, if, you, if, you're about Ron's, if you're talking about yeah, Ron's, Ron's, Ron's agreement, yeah, Ron's I, I only use Ron's agreement. He does have an arbitration clause in the purchase and sale agreement. So if, if you don't use Ron's. You're talking about your agreement then? I only I don't have any agreements with my name on. I only use Ron Legrand's agreement oh. from the Gold Club site. That's I that's the agreements I use. Right, right, right. So right, on, right. on Ron's um, first sale agreement. First of all, your I don't recall seeing the arbitration clause in that P and S, but I will tell you this, your your of course your recourse is to sue them, I suppose, for specific performance or walk away. Right. We've never done it. We've had some people, a few people who just renege on it. And you know something? We got bigger fish, fish to fry. We want to go out and get more deals. So we're, we're not suing people. I'm not saying we never would, but it had to be a real sweet deal that, that we're losing out on to sue somebody for performance. And if there's a mandatory arbitration clause, then so be it. That's what the contract says. I always say, what does the contract say? Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I don't have that. I don't recall seeing that in Ron's PNS, but uh, okay. We yeah, have a word about it. It's in there. I don't have one in front of me, but it's you know it's like on the second page. Um, but if there's a disagreement that you know it will be submitted to arbitration. So I just wondered if anybody had an experience with that. Okay. All right, we got uh, right. a few more calls. We've gotten to the queue since uh, I made the call out. So I appreciate your your questions, Rich. All right. Thanks so much. You have a great evening. Okay. You too. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. All right, we have another caller on here, Scott. Who's this caller? Hello. Hello. <laughs> we lose them. No, yeah. no, they're on. I can see them on, but uh, oh. I'm going to go ahead and give another five we more seconds. Can't tell who it is now, huh? No, it's just a number here. Sorry, okay. sorry, I had my phone on mute. Uh, this is Eric again from Alabama. And I was actually just going to weigh in on the question about the uh, uh, the security deposit, um, but I, I, I guess the best way to say this is my understanding is that Ron will answer directly uh, emails if we email him questions. So uh, my friend in uh, Pennsylvania, just, uh, why, don't, why don't I just shoot Ron an email <laughs> since we can't get get it solved on this call? Good. That's a good uh, good point. Green bag. All right, All right Eric. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I got a few more calls here, so Eric, uh, thanks for calling in and putting in that, uh, that tip for the other call. All right, who do we have now on the phone? Hi, my name is Kay. I'm in uh, Louisville. How are you guys? You're in Louisville? Kay yeah. in Louisville. We were just in Louisville. Well, I just moved here, so I'm just learning about it. <laughs> Cause, right. um 
but well, anyway, good to hear from you guys. I uh, I heard you guys talking about Airbnb on one of the calls before, and, and I'm excited about that. <laughs> but here's a uh, question that um, I came up with. One of the properties that I actually own personally, um, somebody who lives in the same, it's a condo, who lives in the same condo complex approached me about doing a trade. I'm going to sell this this condo, this property, because the HOA, is a, it's a disaster. Okay, let's put it that way, the condo association. So I want to get rid of it. But um, he has a condo in the same complex that is worth about two-thirds of the price of mine, and we both want to sell. And he mentioned doing a trade. And I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I don't know where to begin on that, if that's even a good idea or how. I just want to know how you guys would approach this. Because the bottom line is I want to sell mine and, and get get rid of it because of, you know, the complications um, with the HOA association. I'm not a fan of any place with an HOA. I know um, Scott has said that about Airbnbs also. But anyway, do you have any thoughts on how doing a – property trade might be possible and profitable? Well, I would want you to, first of all, be, I would really, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this blind here. This is Scott talking. Um, okay. Uh, it, it would take some sophistication in the sense of I would really want you to know what you're looking at, right? So some of the stuff that we, we are have been taught with Ron is go for low-hanging fruit. If you've got to climb too high up on that tree, <laughs> Uh, I'm afraid you're going to get an apple and find out there's a worm on the back side of it without you realizing it. So uh, I'm, I'm not opposed to a trade, but I, I would feel maybe a little more confident with some of the stuff that I've learned over the years and I might be able to see where that deal really exists. So it's hard for me to just give you a an overall, yeah, just look at this or this. But um, I would want you to be very, very, very careful. Obviously, if you're going to do a trade, you want to trade up, right? I mean, you want to get something – that either makes your life easier or produces more for you or there's more value or more cash flow, those would be the things I would be looking at. So any kind of property, the very first thing that comes to my brain is what is the ARV? That's my first place that I go. So that's what I would want to look at first. Okay, got you. Because his is definitely – his is about, as I said, it's about a third – about two-thirds of the value of mine, so it's actually worth less. So, um, but he, you know, just likes it. You know, he's just a regular person wanting to trade up. But as you say, I don't see that what advantages would be for me because I'd have to turn around and sell his. And I think mine is um, a better property based on the size of it and, you know, some other things. So that's why I was trying to I – just, I just got approached a couple of days ago, so I don't have much information except, the, you know, the, the 30% or so difference in value. So I just didn't know where to begin. So you're saying start with what is the ARV on both properties, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, again, it depends on what you're looking ultimately to get, you know, from the property. I mean, it could be – Maybe you get more cash flow. Maybe that's worth it. I mean, there are, there are a lot of variables here for you to look at, so it's hard for me to know. But the first thing that, that I would want to look at is ARV. I mean, I, I certainly want to trade up. Uh, but, hey, if, if you're looking at a property 
maybe it is worth a little bit more, but it's it's taken a lot of your time and you got very little cash flow. But you know that if you did trade, okay, you don't get the same value on price, but you get a lot more cash flow, that might be more important to you at that time. So there, there's just a lot of variables to look at. What do you, what, how would you really benefit if you went with the other property? And if you said, you know what, I really think I am going to benefit more because of these other factors, then that's a personal decision at that point. Okay, because I, I can't see any reason to do it at this point. Um, I can't either. I don't know why you're thinking about trading this thing here. I don't. I have no idea why you want to do this. Well, I don't even know that I want to. It's just I got approached by someone a couple of days ago, and the call was coming up tonight, so I thought I'd ask you guys if you knew something I don't know. I really don't want to do it because I want to get out of this. I don't want yeah. – I don't – HOAs – you can have them, okay? Just too many people running HOA that don't know what they're doing. I want to get rid of my property because of I'll not the that. headaches with the property, but the headaches with any HOA association and what I've been through already. So, yeah. you know, I I wouldn't trade it to live in that one. Um, I don't. I want to get out of here. Period. So I'm thinking there's no real advantage because I don't want to stay, you know, on site in, you know, any of these properties. And if I traded, even though mine is worth more, he would give me some cash, I'd still have to sell his. I can't imagine why you want to do it. I can't imagine doing that. I'd say sell it. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking, too. Plus, I'd have to pay, uh, um, what do you call it, um, my mind just went blank, closing costs twice, wouldn't I? Yeah, it would be probably, unless you did it all at once. But, but why are we even talking about this? Because yeah. just, you really just because don't somebody to. approached me and I thought, okay, I've never heard of Listen. this one before. I'll see what okay. you guys think. Okay. okay, just because someone approaches you doesn't mean you, ha you owe them anything. You don't owe them an answer even. I would just say, yeah, no, thank you. Be on and move on <laughs> with my life. I'm telling you. Okay, gotcha. That's what I was kind of thinking too, but I thought maybe there's something you guys know that I don't, which is quite yeah. possible. So I, I couldn't see any advantage either, especially since his property is worth less. I mean, obviously, I'd want more cash if I did it. But I can't see any reason to do it all. So that's yeah. what I was thinking. So I like what you're saying, John. Just walk away. Don't even, don't even, well, you don't even know the guy anything. I, I get that. Yeah, thank you. That's right. That's right. Okay. I just right, wondered if I was call. missing something. So. <laughs> no, I think you're on. I think you're on with it, yeah. Just sell it. Gotcha. Okay. And by the way, do you guys buy many... Properties, I know you said in Airbnb you want to avoid anything with an air HOA because obviously all the headaches. But do you guys buy many properties with HOAs? You're, you know, for um, no, 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 we haven't. Haven't come across that opportunity. Okay. Yeah, so, it, and it isn't that we're saying you know never work with an HOA. It's just that what I'm coming back to the short-term rental, okay that most HOAs that I've been exposed to are not very friendly to short-term rentals. That doesn't mean that there's not one out there, but um, we, haven't found, we haven't found one yet. So. I, I, and, and based on my experience with HOAs, I get it, um, to short-term rentals. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks, guys. Is there anything else you think I need to know? No, I think I think I appreciate your call. I think yep. you got the answer here. Good, good talking to you, Kay. Thank you. Hey, uh, thanks for the the straight answer. I love it. Thank you. Talk to you guys <laughs> right. next time. You got right. it. Bye bye. 
All right, next call we have. Who's on the phone? Yeah. Hi, it's uh, Kurt Dixon in Austin, Texas. I don't care. I know Kurt Dixon from Austin, Texas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this, guy, this guy owes me money. Listen, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> oh, remember, it's, 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 it's a text in the mail for sure. <laughs> I don't care. What's up? Man, I'm doing good. You know, I, I almost missed this call. I, I was like, wait a minute. Monday, I was like, "Oh crap!" So, better get in the call. Well, I, I, did, I did have two questions. Well, one, one, the guy kind of um, went over it a bit. So, or you two went over it a bit. So, as far as the as far as the land trust goes, right? Uh oh, I lost Kurt. You <laughs> did. Oh my goodness. Oh my, Kurt. I'm sorry, Hi. I lost you here, buddy. Sure, call back in, and we'll get you right up here. But who do we have on here now? This, uh, I'm trying to get <laughs> my cube squared right away, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dump Kurt, my friend Kurt. So. Oh, Kurt. I'm going to have to buy Brett and Karen. Karen from Ocala. Okay. And uh, looking forward to getting mentored by you guys starting in January. So kind of excited there. Oh, cool. Awesome. Anyway, um, wondering what – Karen – and then my husband's Brett. We met at the Quick Start in Jacksonville. Right, right, right. Okay. Anyway, we, um, we're wondering what kinds of questions to ask a prospective real estate attorney. We're going to a, a RIA Christmas party tomorrow night, and we'd kind of like to know before we get there. So. Well, all you need for an attorney is a person who can do closing, but I would say I would ask them if they – if they have ever closed real estate in a trust, um, that's pretty much it. And I think that, oh, another question is that if they, if they are okay with doing um, wraparound mortgages of an existing underlying mortgage. Because when you buy, you're going to buy from people who have an existing mortgage. I've come across a few attorneys who they'll tell you, how, oh, I can't do that. Well, that's not true, but they just don't want to do that. So I had one attorney one time, he just did not like trusts. He did not like land trust. And actually, at the last minute, he told me this. And I, I, was, I, I called him on it, and I kind of shamed him into closing for us. I remember, so I, I yeah. I, I remember that Yeah, I remember that one. Connecticut. That's right. And so I, he, he last minute, he ran a bail on me. I said, oh, I, said, no. I, I showed you these documents two months ago or a month and a half ago, whatever. So I'd ask if, if he is okay with working with trusts, land trusts, and I asked uh-huh. him, is he okay with doing wraparound mortgages? I think those are probably two key questions. You want to make sure he works with investors, not just a regular rubber stamping type attorney who does closings for, you know, mom and pop who's buying a house someplace or whatever. So that's, that's what I would ask him, Karen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Okay, super. All right. All right. Good, good talking awesome. to you, Karen. All right. Awesome. I look forward to working with you. All, All right. right. Yeah. Thank you. We got Kurt back on, I think. No, what happened to Kurt? Kurt, oh, I'm sorry. This this queue is jumping all around. So who do we have on the phone now? Kurt, just hold on, please. I'm going to get you a minute. Hey, John and Scott. How's it going? Hey, who is this? Hey, it's Tim in Ohio. Tim in Ohio. How you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Great. Doing great. Um, uh, John, I have a question on land trust. Um, I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm closing on a small rehab tomorrow with a title company, 
and they're looking for a copy of the trust agreement because I told them I want to take title in a trust. So I know looking at Ron's videos, he said the trust agreement is not something you need to disclose to anybody. So I'm just wondering what your take on this is. Um, maybe I should be closing with a, a, an attorney and not a title company. Well, what do you think? Um, this, this is your title company or is it the other yeah. title company? Yeah, the type of company I've used um, for a few closings and a few deals I've done recently. Well, I, you know, I would treat a title company like I treat my attorney, except that there's no client privilege information there. But still, this is this is the person you are hiring, and I would if if there's a deal and I want to use my trust and they wanted to see it, I'd say, look, I'm going to give you a copy of my trust, but you must keep it confidential and it must not be recorded anyplace. And right. you can show me a declaration of trust and try an agreement. I, and I would probably do that. That's right. It, it, it's, you don't have to. It says you have to, but um, some some companies, maybe even some attorneys, are a little uncomfortable. They want to see it. I'd make sure that they kept it private. Okay. Well, that, that's, that kind of answers my question. Um, that's kind of what I was thinking. I just wasn't sure. I, you know, I just uh, listened to Ronnie said, no, it's, that's, that's your business, and... Uh, you, sh- you don't need to disclose, disclose it. So, um, but then, but here's your alternative. Your alternative yeah. is find somebody else to close. Right. Right. But, Sorry, yeah, hold on. Tomorrow. Hey, this is Scott. Tim, I'm going to say, don't you go away, Tim. As soon as I heard you speak, this is my Irish friend, Tim from Ohio. <laughs> so you didn't say, Tim, your Irish friend. I Ohio. know, I know, I know. How are you doing? Am, am I saying the last name right, Kyogen? You are absolutely perfect in saying it, Logan. Yes, sir. Ellen, it's really good to hear your voice. It's always good to hear an Irishman's voice anyway. I'm very intrigued by that. But still, hope hope things are going well for you. Things are going great, Scott. Looking forward to seeing you at the next event, okay? All right. Super. All right, Tim. Good talking to you. Appreciate it. And thanks for answering the question. Take care. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, now I got Kurt. Kurt, I'm so sorry. I'm having a, I have a, I have an impairment here dealing with this platform looking at. So, oh gosh, I thought I owed you money too. I owe you no. I I, I think I, I owe you a I, Kurt, I owe you a chicken and waffle breakfast. I promise. Uh, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm gonna pass. <laughs> well. I, but my, I only have two quick questions. Um, so the land trust, uh, let's let's say I have one, my LLC, right? And I own, let's say, 10 land trusts. So, I, you know, no fault of my own. Maybe the house burns down, there's a lawsuit, and they're, or whatever. They're, they're going to they're gonna take what the, the land trust owns. How is that going to prevent them from going to my LLC and then say, hey, oh, we see you have these other 10? I know they can't find me in public record, that's for sure. But, um, you know, how, how, how am I protected, per se, in the sense of, uh, yeah, how does it not spread to Mother, Mother 9? Here we go. I get you. Well, te- well first of all, <clears throat> with, the, with the existence of a trust, you separated these. these uh, the, a trust is another kind of an entity, okay? So you actually technically separated them owned by different people, different, and a trust is a is a paper person, if you will. The trustee, basically, is the living part of the trust, right? the, the breeding part who can sign papers. 
but you separated them because they're in separate, I'll use the term entities. Now, attorney may argue it's not really an entity. I think that you could technically call a trust an entity. Now, don't forget, the LLC does not really own the trust. The LLC is the beneficiary of the trust, okay? Now, so it just gives you that kind of separation idea. I will tell you this, Kurt. I know it's for a fact that we live in a very litigious society. If, if somebody, some judge decided you were a very bad boy and you did something wrong, negligence, I think you threw out, that's a big word, hard to prove negligence. But if somebody was able to do that, the judge might say, Mr. Dixon, do you, ha you have owned any other properties or do you have legal title in any way, shape, or form? And they can do that in, in depositions and interrogatories and things, all things legal where they make you swear under oath. Do you have any rights to any of the properties? And you're going to have to say, yes, I do. Now, that's if it gets really ugly, and it can go that route. So, so there's two things. Keep the separation, separation of assets by putting them in separate trusts, and just be a good, honest business person. I feel that's just a great formula for success because you can make a lot of money and be an, a good, honest business person. You can make a lot of money being a thief too, but we never, we're just not that way ourselves. And so what I'm suggesting is if you're a good, honest business person and, a, and a, you know, just being lawful and being fair and honest with people and you have a separation of assets, man, you're going you're gonna to make out really, really well. It's just not, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to penetrate that LLC. Don't forget, penetrating LLCs, even trust probably, is not impossible. In fact, I've done it myself once to a guy I sued. I penetrated his LLC. And I'm just saying that it's possible, but it's hard. Our mission is to make it hard in our litigious society, make it hard for someone to take from you what you work hard for. Mm. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and I, I guess what I'm, well, from another guy I know who does land trust, uh, what he does, I'm, I'm not sure this could be useful or not, um, he'll record the warranty deed to trustee, right? Then immediately replace replace them. On So as far as the public record goes, they still see the same um, trustee, but he re, but if they, if they get sued, then the old trustee says, I've been replaced, and then that's just another barrier. But eventually, you I mean, like you're right, if you do something nefarious, it can get pierced, but as far as keeping yourself out of the, any frivolous uh, litigious stuff that goes on, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But, okay, so here's a second one. Uh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, yeah, in, go some ahead. States, in some states, if you change trustees in some states, you have to record that, that your trustee has changed. Oh, Massachusetts being okay. one. So that's, ah, that's a little thing. Now, what we like to do is, and Ron has recently, I think, I think suggested this. We do this. Well, no, I, we, I, we haven't done it yet. We're in the process of doing this, is to make our trustee an LLC. So I'm in the process of setting up an LLC in Wyoming. I like Wyoming because talk about being anonymous. Oh, my gosh. Now, Wyoming, Nevada, I think, are the two best states for becoming, for becoming anonymous. And they have a thing called a charging order that is really great in the Wyoming. So our Wyoming LLC will be our trustee going forward. Just one more level of anonymity. Beautiful That's thing. That's good. I, we, in, in Texas here, we have to have a person. We're not allowed to have an LLC uh, or entity. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's different. 
Um, uh, here, here's the second thing. So with this, what's been going on with every market turning as it is, plenty of people did the, uh, what do you call it, uh, forbearance and what's the other thing they did? Loan mods, right? So by the time these people are ready, yes, they may have very excellent in- interest rates and they're open to doing terms. However, how, like, basically how far gone in terms of months behind would the house not qualify for terms where it's basically um, not savable in the sense of it's not going to be a benefit for the amount of money you have to put in, even if, even if they are good terms as far as like a low interest rate and they're willing to do subject to or even owner financing for nothing down. It just seems that at some point the dollars aren't going to make sense for a house that's that far behind. I really don't know what that range is, three months, six months, a year. No, it's not that way. Yeah, Kurt, it's, it's a, you got to have the exact numbers. What you would do is you'd look at what the numbers show, and, you, and if you have to pay back taxes or something in the arrears, or if it's been if it's been restructured, if the loans are restructured, then it may be fine. What's the cash flow going to be? So you're still going to go look at what's the what's the equity, what's the cash flow. That's the two key things. Yeah. You know, and and you can have even sometimes very little equity, but good cash flow. And if you've got it for ten year term, let's say. You're going to build that in 10 years. So every deal, I can say every deal is like a fingerprint. They're all different, completely different. And you'd have to do the exact numbers on a property like that. Scott, anything else to add? Yeah. So, no, I, uh, no you're spot on, John. Um, and, and Kurt, I, and I would be hesitant to ever say this is the overall, this is what's going to happen if, you know, if, it, if everything is behind, it's, it's a dead deal. That's just... There are too many places around the country and too many variables. Don't write off these deals. You look at everyone individually. It's going to come right down to the numbers. What's the first thing? I said this to an earlier caller. The first thing I do, the very first thing, ARV. Then I want to look at potential cash flow. So i got to know what my potential rent is going to be. And then I move backwards from there. All right, let's take a look at how much debt is there how much back taxes have to be paid, all this other stuff. You've got to run all those numbers. And, um, and that can change from community to community, even in the same state. Different places have different rents and different values. So just run your numbers, but start with ARV and your rent comps and then move backwards from there. Okay, yeah, and that, that makes sense. Because I, and I'll, I'll be quick because I know we've got some other people. Um, because one of the reasons is a deal that didn't work out the guy, you know, he drugged me along, whatever. But by the time he was ready, um, he did. He was in his third loan mod, but then the interest rate rate went up to almost almost seven percent when it was at three. So with he the cared. repairs that needed. Hey hmm? Kurt, I wouldn't even care if the interest rate went up to sixteen percent. I'm using hyperbole oh. here. It comes down to the numbers. What does the number at the bottom line? Can I cash flow? So I don't care what the interest rate is. Can I cash flow? Oh. So okay. Don't get, don't get caught up on interest rate. People are wigging out over interest rate. Sometimes people too, when they go, "Oh, I see what this guy's doing. He just bought the house six months ago, and he's making all this extra money on it." I don't care if he makes a million dollars off of it. The question is, can I make some money off of it? I don't care what he gets. I don't care what the interest rate is. Can I make money? If the answer is yes, I'm going to go for the deal. So it boils down to the math and the numbers. It, it, it doesn't really matter as far as. Price. Right. I mean, a price and equity with cash flow, can I cash flow it? Maybe some equity. And even yep. if interest rates are high, can I still put this in the market? Yep. Yep. Okay, awesome. Awesome. 
man, I think you guys have been doing this for at least a day or two, huh? You guys are good at this. <laughs> By the way, when, when, are you, when are you going to pay me that money you owe me? <laughs> well, I, I really, a Nigerian prince called me, set up a bank account. I paid him your money. He said he's going to, you know, get it to you soon. So he put a text in the mail. So you look for that, okay? All right. I'll be doing that. Kurt, <laughs> good yeah, talking to you, man. Yeah, always, always a pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. All right, All we'll right. see you soon, I hope. Yeah. We'll, we'll hash it up. Right. Yes. Ciao. Right. Next. Sorry for the long wait. We, uh, who's this? Joanna? Hello. Hello. Yes, Dave. How are you? From New How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Um, let me ask my questions real quick because I think my phone's about to die. All right, three questions. Uh, since you're going into the business of real estate and everything like that, would it be better for you to start to get an LLC before before you 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 um start your investing program? Getting an LLC takes about two weeks. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because if you have a deal or something like that, you know, um, you know, you no, say, well, but the priority is the priority is get the deal. It's yeah. the deal. It happens. Suppose, suppose the worst case of might say, wow, this is beautiful. You you said I'm going to go into real estate, and you this right now you start looking at the deals. You find a deal. You say, well, I haven't decided the name for the LLC yet, but I got a deal. Go buy the deal in trust. Go buy the deal in trust. And you can make yourself the trustee, the, uh, I'm sorry, the beneficiary. If worst case, and then in two weeks when you get your LLC, just, just assign the beneficiary over to the LLC. You could do that if you really had to. Now, this part, I'm not sure there's more ways to handle that. What you're doing is, Dave, you're thinking about the easy stuff because everyone wants to do the easy stuff first, a long list of stuff you've got to do. The hard stuff is find those deals. Get on the phone. Get the sellers. Right. right. That's right. Hey, listen, yeah. you're not going to do that first deal, Dave, without having an attorney. I know what, what John just said about the trust, that the LLC. You're going to do all this with an attorney anyway. Oh, yeah, right. You're not going to close a deal in two weeks. If you get a deal today, it's not going to close in two weeks. That's not to say I'm saying you're, you're new at this. You're not closing this thing in two weeks. You'll have plenty of time to get the LLC. Don't worry about it. All right, cool. I've got two more quick questions. Um, second one is if, if you're pushed into a corner, right, uh, say like you're, you're dealing with somebody, and I'll use one of Ron's examples, and, and he says, well, uh, that's a little bit too much. Uh, you have to come down a little bit on the price. And then the owner asks you, well, what are you thinking about? You're pushed into a corner. What do you say? <laughs> this is in my wheelhouse. Can I'm I ask Dave? Dave, you have just one quick question. Dave, do you have a second speakerphone on in your area there? Because it's like a feedback. Yeah, hold on for a second. Yeah, let me. Can you hear me? I can. Yep. Yes. Yep. All right. All right. Let me. That's let me better. Play, let me play out the scenario. So here I am. I'm talking to the seller on the phone. And he says, yeah, I want 300000 I know ARV on it is 260 let us say. He wants yeah. 300 to say, yeah, hey, uh, Joe, um, boy, that actually puts the price of your house well above the top of the market. I can't buy a house well above the top of the market. In fact, i got to get just a little bit below the market. Let me ask you this, Joe. Do you have any flexibility on the price? And he says, 
Well, I think that's a pretty good price, but it sounds like you know the price, so you tell me what would you be willing to pay for it. My answer is going to be, without hesitation, is I have no idea, Joe. I haven't been at your house yet to take a look. Okay. That's the answer. Now watch. Now watch. So Joe says, okay, well, why don't you just come to the house and take a look at it, and then you tell me. You make me an offer. And the answer to that question is, Joe, I'm looking for a reason to come out your house. You need to give me a reason. I got to know where you're at on that price. I look at a lot of houses, and I got to have a reason to come out and take a look. So, about where would really where would you need to be on that price? And I'll let you know if that's enough to come out and look at the house. The last thing a seller is ever going to get out of my house is an offer. We do not make offers. You're going to waste your time going out there if uh, mm-hmm. if this guy is giving you a reason to go out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, that kind of sense. I, yeah, like I said, you're not dodging the question. You're just basically being realistic. You're saying, I can't yeah. make an offer for it. I can't give you a price because I haven't seen it yet when when I come out there. But $300,000, like you were saying, $300,000 is the top of the market. I can't, uh, I wouldn't be able to make any money on it. And then, like you said, if the person said, well, what are you, at? What are you looking at? And I said, well, I don't know until I come see your house. But I know I can't pay the top of the market. I, I don't do that. Right. Yeah, I still would. I, I still wouldn't say I don't know until I come see your house. That's not what I would say. I would say well, I don't know. I haven't seen your house. So let me ask you, what would be your price? Well, come on out and take a look. I'm going to say, yeah, I can't, Joe. I need a reason to come out and take a look. I got to really know what your price is. I can tell you where you're at right now. It's not yeah. enough for me to take a look. All I'm asking you, Joe, is. What's your lowest price? And I'll let you know if that makes sense for me to come out, okay? I put okays on everything because it turns it into a question. Right. And if Joe is not willing to give me another number, I'm going to end the phone call with him. I want to be nice about it, but I'm going to say, yeah, that, that's just not going to work for me, Joe. Hey, how about if I give you a call back here in about a month and we'll see, we'll see how you're doing then? Would that be all right? That's what I right. think. Right, right. Okay. I got the last question. I got the last question, and and then I'm done. You ready? All right. Uh, Ryan had a book called uh, Fast Cash, right? And in it, he had he had these examples where he gives the uh, owner like three proposals, and they give him the offer. So I'm saying I don't see him doing that. Well, of course, everybody evolves, but I don't see him doing that now. You know, he usually basically there's like one proposal, and the guy makes him an offer. And he decides whether he's going to accept it or not. Would giving uh, the owner three proposals or whatever you want to say, offer or so so forth, would that still be still be good, or do you try to discourage that? You try to give him like one one line to push, pull, so to speak. Yeah. So so I I, I haven't read the, uh, the the book on uh, fast cash, but I know and I I've learned a lot from Ron. Ron always has another option in his back pocket. <laughs> So I don't use the word offer. I use the, in my head, I'm using the word option. There's always, perhaps there is another option. So I'm going to go for the best first. For right. me, in most cases, I like owner financing. If I right. think the person is on the owner financing because they don't feel like they have control over the property or their attorney's not going to like it, I'll have a right. second option. Well, listen, you know what? We could do a lease option. A third option might be, hey, listen, I can see you're not willing to do terms. I could do cash if we can find the right price on cash, but it's going to have to be really discounted. Tell me, where right. would you be on So, But I'm not going to throw all those out necessarily all at once. 
Okay? Right. I go for the best one that I can get and then back down to there bring other options if the seller's not flexible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. All right. Uh, all right. We got that. I like I like your answers. I'll try to incorporate them when I make um, when I make proposals. I call them proposals because I know he says no. They're not offers. They they made you the yeah. offer, right? So I got to call it something, you know. So um, sure. options. All right. Those I'll give you three uh, options, and you decide which one you want. And the person picks it. So he made the offer to my to me, and then. I go and check out the house. Is it possible to, um, I know with COVID and everything like that, I know most of it that so, but some people, um, maybe you don't want to go over the house. You like what you see. Um, like I get the um, I get the feed every day on the Gold Club. You like what you see, and you say, well, look, um, is it possible to make an, um, an option kind of like, Site. I mean, you've seen the property only through pictures and everything like that. Would that be good enough for you to to uh, say um, uh, get into a contract arrangement with the uh, seller? Well, I'm telling you, my, my my opinion is I would do it on on, a, on an ugly house that I'm going to wholesale, not on anything that I'm going to invest in. And pretty, no pretty houses. I want to see it. Yeah, if it's on terms, I I, I want to see it. Okay. All right. All right. Or, or at least you. have a or have a trusted person see it. Someone that has my interest in mind. Right? Yeah, somebody that's in the neighborhood, maybe we could pay them a couple of bucks to go take a look at it maybe and tell them what to look yeah. for. Yeah, maybe maybe my cousin. <laughs> I mean <laughs> someone 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 that I know, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's my, All right. That's my... Hey listen, thank you thank you very much. You're very helpful. You got it, Dave. It's it's good talking to you, man. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah. All right, Scott, you there still? I am. Good. We we don't have any more calls in the queue. Um, we want to do really at the do like a last call, maybe, so we don't hang up on somebody. But we could, we could. So sure. uh, yeah, so we got. Uh, oh, there's one right here. Just got popped in the queue. We'll answer this one here. Hold on a second. Oh. There oh. we go. I would say anybody hey. else are thinking. If you are thinking about asking a question, you better jump in now, okay? So we can yep. get you. In. So if someone just jumped in. Who's this, please? Hey, John and Scott, it's Tim again in Ohio. Just got a quick question for you. Who? Hey, Tim? Tim? I don't know a Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott. Look uh, quickly there. I, I closed on a sub two deal there about a month ago, and uh, I changed the insurance company. And uh, I, I, I sent a letter, the management letter, into the bank because it's escrowed through the bank, but they've not responded to me. So I'm just wondering what you're taking on um, changing insurance companies or should you leave it in the insurance company of the seller? What, what, what do you think about that? That's in John's wheelhouse. I'll let him run with it. Okay. So it's a subject to you saying. Now, see, here's, here's the problem with if you, if you get the deed, the deed's now in the, say, in your company's name or your trust or whatever, um, yes. several things. First of all, whoever has the deed, whether entity owns the property, must be the insured property, number one. So That's somebody, if you kept the, if you kept the seller's uh, uh, insurance policy, you're going to have to be named as an additional insured. But it's going to raise questions. That you can, more wants to know why you named additional insured. Um, the, 
The next issue I have is that it's now you are now a landlord. You're going to rent it out to a tenant buyer. You are now a landlord. The other policy was a homeowner's policy, not a landlord policy. Correct. So, you know, the first thing that insurance adjusters, what their job is, the first thing that insurance adjusters want to do is to find ways to not pay out the claim. So it's a claim. That's their job. How can I not pay this claim? So you, there's just two issues. You don't have a landlord policy, and maybe you're not even insured. Maybe you're not even insured. Now, you can just walk away, give the guy the key, say, hey, how's it burnt down? It's your problem. But you don't want that either. Now, what we always do is we always get our own policy. Whenever we buy a property with an underlying mortgage, if it's a subject to or we give a wraparound mortgage, how we buy it, what we'll do is we will actually act the closing. We get the, we'll get the, uh, the seller to sign a letter telling his insurance company to cancel a policy. And what we do then is we get a, we, before we close, now, Tim, before we close, we have our own landlord policy in place, okay? So we only make sure we're insured before we close. So believe me, if you let it overlap by two or three days, it's going to cost you 20 or 50 bucks. It's cheap usually. It's not that big a deal, your, your, your overlap cost of insurance. And as soon as you get your, your, your deed and you own the property and you've got your own insurance, landlord policy in place, now you either mail that letter or you just talk to the seller and have him call the uh, insurance company to cancel it. Okay? Now, when you do that, of course, Tim, you've got to make sure on your landlord policy that you name the mortgage company as right. the mortgagee. Right? It has to be named. Yeah. Otherwise, that's going to fly in the face, too. So that's how we manage ours. Okay. Well, I, I did actually do exactly what you just said. I took out a landlord policy uh, with my broker, and he sent it over to the bank, and he has not heard back from the bank. I sent in a management letter uh, explaining exactly what we were, not exactly what we were doing, but you know how that goes. And uh, I've not heard back from them either. So I'm just wondering, would you follow up with the bank and just, uh, you know, kind of touch base with them and see what, you know, what's going on, or how would you handle it? Why do you care what the bank thinks? Well, yeah. because... It, because it's been escrowed through the bank, and the, the new insurance agent, he needs to get paid for uh, the, the, the policy he's issued. From the bank. Yes, yeah. So all you do is you just you just gotta, but you're gonna cancel all the policy. The bank's gonna want to know they're gonna get notified that all the policy is canceled, and you're gonna want your company to send the uh, the the new insurance. Uh, uh, the insurance document is the proof of coverage document they send to the bank. The bank's happy they're covered. And right. then what happens is your insurance company sends a bill to the bank. The bank pays it. Now, the, the, the kicker is going to be if there's money in escrow. And right. if, if, the, if the, I'm sorry, if the uh, existing insurance policy has been paid up, say it's paid up, say they just paid it a month ago. Now okay. there's, Two thousand dollars. They got. They're going to refund it. This could be a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to probably send the refund. Probably write a check to the seller. Mm -hmm. This is a little sticky. We've had this happen. We, we, we have always managed. Yeah. We always managed to get the get the money back, and you know, that's that's not that big a deal, but it works out. Should, just I, a, should I talk to the seller's insurance company and see where they're at with that? I mean, is there a reason no, if she canceled? I think oh, that she's going to cancel tomorrow. Uh, 
She should be telling the, the her insurance company to send the refund to you in the name of your entity. Okay. Perfect. I, I say that because that, that's, that's, that's a, uh, it depends if it's in the escrow or not. See, it, it, it all depends on what you negotiate, quite frankly, because, quite, because if she's already paid it, it's how you buy the house. If it's purely subject to just taking it over anyway, it's all yours. But the bank would have paid. Yeah, it. I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take that back. If if she has paid for insurance for the whole year, say 11 months, that money really is hers. Okay. okay. Um, just know that it's it just know it's going to mess up the escrow account because now the escrow account just paid it a month ago and now there's no money in there to cover it. Right. I mean, you can't, you can't just submit the new insurance bill for a whole new year and expect the bank to pay it. And right. they're gonna, if you could, but they're going to send you a, a, a uh, an increase in the escrow amount to cover so it. Is there any way to find out what is in the escrow account in the bank to pay the insurance? Sure, that should be the state in the bank statement. You're going to get the seller to give you a copy of the current bank statement. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, then that brings me around to. If if um, the seller um, is there a way to leave the seller involved in your land trust? So in the case of uh, a due on sale clause, um, you know, coming about, that uh, you can you can hold the seller in your land trust without giving them any power. Is there a way to do that so that you could say to the bank, "Hey, well, this, she is a part of this trust, so technically she's still old." owns the house kind of you know yeah that's a good question i'm not going down that route because i'm not an attorney <laughs> I, I, number one I, I don't think i ever do that i've never worried about the do on sale clause like just right. there's no reason well, i you, did i shouldn't say it did i used to worry about it man yeah i stopped hey and you don't I, I we don't want you communicating meaning don't be calling the bank and talking to them you're going to get their curiosity of just just Oh, I'm not going to call them. I don't want to call them at all, to be honest. That's right. So, um, but there there are other options if if things happen, and and they're all circumstantial, but if push came to shove, you know, if I had to, I'd just go buy the property. But it it would be on the last day. It'd be the last day before I go to court. (laughs) You you know (laughs) what I mean? That's a long time, so I just wouldn't worry about it. I know. I appreciate it. Hey, I don't want to take up any more of your time there. There's probably some others want to get in there, but thank, thanks for the advice, okay? All right, Okay, Tim. yes, sir. Good hearing you. Appreciate it. All right, take care. Okay. Next caller. Who's this, please? Hi, this is Kimberly. How are you? Good, Kimberly. How are you? Fine, right, thanks. I have a question. <laughs> Mostly regarding the land trust, um, I'm fairly new. I haven't actually started. I just, you know, signed up a couple weeks ago going through, you know, the process. And I know you spoke about Wyoming getting an LLC there, you know, that type of thing. Do you also have to get your land? I'm in Florida, and apparently land trusts are very easy to do in Florida, but would it still be better to do it in Wyoming? No, no, the... the, uh so if you had, if you're buying a piece of property in Florida, you would be using a Florida land trust. Okay. And and, and you know probably the same document, but again I always say get your attorney because every state is a little different. So you make sure your state's attorney has blessed it. Okay. Okay. So, but the but the trustee 
in in uh, in Florida, you can use an uh, Kirk Dixon just told us that you cannot use an LLC as a trustee in Texas. Now, in Florida, you can. I know Ron does that. So there's no reason. And I would say I'd be out getting a Wyoming a Wyoming LLC would be the, the be the trustee for all my uh, properties. I like Wyoming. Okay, so that's so that's basically you're not getting your land trust there. You're just getting the LLC there for each property underneath your land trust, you know, in the state that no, you live in. No, 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 not, not underneath. So the, the picture the trust, the trust is, picture it like it's an LLC. It's not, but it's an entity of, of some sort. It, it right. owns your property. And you need, right. but the thing is, it can't, it can't, it's a piece of paper. It can't pick up a pencil and sign things. So somebody has to sign for the trust. That's your trustee. That's the living, breathing person who says, I can sign for this piece of paper, this entity. Well, you make your trustee not a person. You make your trustee an LLC. Okay? It just gives you another level of anonymity. Plus, it's so much easier to, to, to you can sign for the LLC. You know, maybe your manager or somebody else is your manager. The thing is, though, you're much more anonymous. So you, you, you have to have a trustee to, to be able to sign documents for the trust, and that can be your LLC. So where's the anonymity? So where's the anonymity that if I am signing for the trustee? Well, they, I guess they don't. They wouldn't know if you're an owner, a member, or anything. Correct? You're just you're just the signer. Well, you, well they would because you, when you sign for the LLC, one two three LLC from Wyoming, let's say, all right, and uh, and it's going to say uh, Kimberly as as uh, Kimberly Russell, I guess it is right as manager. <clears throat> you're the manager of the LLC. And you could have you and maybe your husband or your siblings, parents could be managers, and any of them you can sign as manager. So, but the, but so what? Then it's, then you sign off the property. You're a manager. You're not you're not the, the owner. You're not the beneficiary. You're just a manager of the trust of the LLC that is a trustee. <laughs> okay. You, you don't own it. The trust owns the property. The trustee right. does okay. not own the property. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, listen, Thank you for I know it, yeah, it can be confusing, but um, it's, I think it's a great way to, to handle asset protection. Again, I said earlier because there are lots of people out there who want to take away from you what you work hard for. And while we want, we want to be honest, and, and if, we hurt, if we damage someone, hurt somebody, we want to be honest people and, and take care of our responsibilities. But there are a lot more predators out there who want to steal from you. And yep. so that's why we do all this stuff. Right, but but I guess my other point was, so you don't need a separate LLC every time you you know do a term or wrap around or or whatever. You don't need a, a a new LLC every single time. You could just use the same Correct. one. Correct. Yeah. Well, the, the trustee, the trust, the LLC. I'm sorry, I'm talking about is a trustee. Now, so here's the structure. You've got a trust. The trust. The trust owns the property, and for a trust, there are three primary parties in any trust. There's a trustor. Trustor is the person who creates the trust. There's a trustee. The trustee is the living person who gets to sign for the trust to make documents legal and whatnot. And then there's the beneficiary. The beneficiary is going to be a different LLC. It can't be the same as the benefit. You can't have all three the same person. Okay. Okay. And you really want to keep your trustee separate from your beneficiary. 
So you would have the trustee is this empty LLC in Wyoming. The beneficiary is your is one of your LLCs in Florida. In this case, that's the that's the entity that will end up owning the proceeds of that trust when it's when that property sold off. Okay. Okay. okay understood. Okay. Yeah, I was just so, a little confused because I know that you know when you're doing layers and layers, so. <laughs> yeah, well, we're trying to confuse the bad guy. Yeah, because yeah, because you know, some people say that you can only have, you know, you should only do like one or two, and then you know, do another LLC, and then one or two, and do another LLC. Uh, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing, though. I, I think I can't believe, and that's a whole different thing. Okay. I think people talking about people talking how many LLC, how many properties do you want to have owned by your LLC. And my Correct. answer is none. My answer is none. I want every single one of my properties owned by a trust. By the trust. And I, okay. want, and I want one LLC that is the beneficiary of all of those trusts. Now, you could decide you want to have a few different LLCs, and each one of them is the, is the beneficiary of, say, five properties. That you, I would talk to my attorney about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think, I don't think, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. I'll get, them, I'll get a bunch of them as beneficiaries, the same beneficiary. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you so much for answering my question. Okay, you're welcome. Have a good night. We have right, a couple more here, Scott. Yeah, All a couple right. more here. Hello, who do we have on the line here? Hi, this is Eric Boone from Alabama again. Uh, <laughs> hey, Eric. I feel like I know you now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I want to get a little bit of clarification on what you were just explaining, and I, I know it's been going around in circles. If I understand correctly, I own ABC LLC, and I form it in Wyoming. I get a land trust for a property wherever. I have the LLC sign as the trustee. Now, can an entity sign, or doesn't it have to be John Doe, for LLC whatever, or LLC. John Doe, comma, yeah, John Doe, comma, manager. Manager. So no matter, even, even though the LLC is signing as the trustee, you still have to put down your, your, your actual name. You can't just sign the name of the LLC. Well, you, 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 sign, you, you can sign your name as you sign. Got it. And so, but you, you, you would be signing the LLC, right, but the LLC would be signing as the trustee, and it would be Eric Boone for ABC LLC or something like that. Eric Boone, comma, manager. Got which, it. By the way, got it. Which, as I've understood, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, that's not you, the human being. You are you're, you're signing. Yes, you are signing for the entity, but it's not you. That name is not you. It's manager. Got it. Right. You, okay. You, okay. You basically created a new a new creature called yep. Eric Boone, comma manager. It's not right. Eric Boone. Eric right. Boone is not signing that. Eric Boone, comma manager is signing that. It's a whole different wow. person. 
I love that. I love that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, there's, can I offer, a, I'm not promoting a company, but there's a company that I know of, uh, there was a gentleman asking about uh, t how do you go take a look at a property uh, if you're not near it. Um, uh, there's a company I know of that does that. Can, can I provide that on this call or, or no? No, not. No, not the CIA. Okay. Yet. I think you should provide that through Ron, and maybe Ron will want to. I wouldn't want to promote anything other than just Ron's stuff on this call. So I appreciate okay. your offer. But yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's why I asked, because I <laughs> didn't want to throw it out there and go and have you go, eh. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, the other, the buzzer. All right. All right, Eric. Appreciate you. One more call. We'll take one more call, and it's on right now. So. Uh, All right, let's do it. All right. Hello, who do we have here? That's Kurt again. I've returned. Oh, my goodness. Oh, John, you should have hung up. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Kurt. All right. So there's, there's a guy uh, down here who does a lot of subject to in Dallas. And um, with the, back to the loan mod stuff, typically when the, my understanding is when the bank does a loan mod, they pretty much frown upon the seller, you know, selling the house in any way. So he uses trust too. So here's what he does. He will, at closing, he will have the, the land trust um, drawn up. The seller is the beneficiary. They sign it, but simultaneously, right after they sign that, they sign a transfer of the beneficial interest to him. And the reason why he does that, if the bank gets, you know, wind, oh, yeah, and he also names the trust the street name and puts the last name of the seller, right? So if the bank gets mad or says, hey, what's going on? He'll just show them the initial uh, trust agreement, and he says that usually quashes it. So I'm not sure, I mean, I'm not sure if that sounds kind of iffy, but, I mean, I can understand why he does it. No, no, I understand. I've seen it done, and I've done it myself before, matter of fact. And what, all that, that's based on the uh, Garnsink Jermaine Depository Institution Act of 1982. And what that says is basically that's the law, the uh, the law that created the due on sale clause. Okay, I didn't create it, but it's what made it made it binding for banks. They can put a due on sale clause, but it also included a statement that says if you are transferring your property into a trust for estate planning purposes, it does not trigger the due on sale clause. So what they're doing is they're they're here's the problem with that. The whole idea of kind of hoodwinking the bank or hiding it from the bank so it doesn't trigger the due on sale clause. The bank's never going to find out anyway. You know what? It's our own paranoia that gets in the way. The bank's never going to find out. And if they do, it's going to take them a year to, to, to foreclose. They don't want to foreclose. They don't want it. They don't want the property. You just save the bank. Save the bank from a foreclosure probably because somebody who couldn't make payments. You save the person's credit. And you got a property, everybody wins. And so, yeah, there's a due-on-sale clause, but read, read the next time you get your hands on a, on a mortgage, read the due-on-sale clause. I have in the past. I stopped reading because they're boring. But it doesn't say, I, the ones I've read, it says if you sell your property, the bank may call the loan due. Yeah, okay? may. The key word is may. But, I, but, but also, I don't think, I don't think there's anything that says that. And if you sell your property, you must inform the bank. I don't, I don't recall the seeing that. In other words, they got to find out. The bank's got to find out. Where, where, where's not going to tell a bank? Where, I'm not going to talk to the bank. 
ever. I don't want. I say ever. I have talked to banks where I've had issues to sort out, uh, but I, I've taken care of that in other ways. My point is, is that the bank is very unlikely. As long as you make monthly payments, they don't care. All they want is their monthly payment. Yep. So. Yep. I mean. I hear what you're saying, Kurt. I, okay. I've done that very same thing before, where you, where you, uh, the beneficiary is the seller, and during the closing, he assigns beneficial interest to your LLC, and it's all, it's all good. And that's yeah, and, and the only reason, so, yeah, the only reason I asked because you know, you know, I try to connect local investors, and I was like, wait a minute. So I said, hold on, you at the closing, you, you, you create your land trust. And he says, yeah, because he purposely names it. Actually, he puts their first initial and their last name and then the property. So that way, yeah, I but, guess, yeah. I don't know what he, yeah, that, that's, I, that's, I, just, yeah that's what that's he baloney. does. I, yeah, but you don't have to, whatever you call I like to call the trust something completely unrelated to the address, the name, or anything. The sisters, the lost sisters, uh, vagabond boys fund. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, tr trust fund. You know, I'm, I'm called that. We had the... We had one in Tennessee. We called the Crockett Boys Victory Fund Land Trust. It had nothing to do with the property, nothing to do with the owner, because I'm more concerned with the predators who are trying to find, they see a property, thinking they can come take it. Mm. And they say, let's look up this trust. This is the address. Let's look up this guy's name. Let's look up, nope, I don't want them having any way to find me or the address of the property. It's just there. They're going to do some hard work to find it. So I, I don't I don't want to use property addresses anymore. We did it first. I don't use anybody's names in that trust. I make up a fun name. A I'm name. just not I'm names. just not worried about the bank, Kurt. And I I think that's what John was trying to illustrate here. And, and by the way, Ron does, uh, you know, um, uh, big time and says when we get caught up in this whole thing about what the bank's going to do, we're focusing on the wrong thing. Just make the mortgage payment. You don't have to deal with the bank. They're just yeah. not going to. Just do it right. So, 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 the, okay. So, the real danger—not danger—the real precaution is not the bank, because. And just before we go, if you wouldn't mind expanding, because I'm not sure if many people know that, if they try to foreclose or whatever, you can basically sue them or whatever, right? And then it drags it out. But, um, I, I was wondering that. Well, actually, I actually lost my thought. Shoot. Okay, I guess answer that one. <laughs> Could you explain how that works? Because I personally didn't know that until like a year ago that I was real worried about doing sale clause and then you could st you could stop it right in its tracks and then usually negotiate with the bank if that actually ever happened. Because you could drag it out for quite a while. You can. You can. I, and, and Ron has mentioned something like that a while. I forget what it was, but uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If, if it ever happens to me, I'm going to call up Ron. Hey, Ron, what do I do? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds well, of ways to slow it down, and and uh, yeah, you know, I, I just I've never had the problem. I used to worry about it. I got other things to worry about. You know what I'm worried about? Yeah. John? About 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 heating up my dinner. I'm gonna go heat up my dinner, and and relax. This has been awesome talking to everybody. I'm glad you all came out tonight. Hope there was some real value in all of this for you. And uh, whatever you do, don't give up. Just keep Never. moving forward and stay engaged, okay? Right. And right. Uh, I've had fun tonight, John. Yep. All right, folks, we're, we're about an hour and a half into the call. It's supposed to be an hour call, I think it is. But uh, it's been great talking to you.
And Scott says, never, Absolutely. ever, ever, ever give up. Thank you. This is quality, right. man. Thank you all. Hey, you got it, guys. Peace. Peace to everybody. See ya. See ya. Hey. Hi. Hey.